We thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would flow forward from each and every one of us that truly knows you. Flow in this place. Do what you desire to do. Don't allow one single word to come from my mouth that is not of you. Do the work that you need to do here. Jesus, we trust that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We trust that you bind up the wounds of those who are hurt. You heal the brokenhearted. Do that work in this place even now. We are grateful to you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. That was smooth, man. It was Dappy T. Keys over here. It was great, man. It was great. Awesome. Well, family, um, once again, good morning. And uh, my prayer is that what God has laid on my heart would connect with you as we are moving into 2024 and God has laid it on our pastor's heart that it is to be a year of manifestations of His presence, of His provision. I think a question comes to the surface. What's my part? We are trusting and firmly believing that God is going to reveal himself in mighty ways. I'm still clinging to 2023's message of those who know their God will do great exploits. I still firmly believe that there are great exploits that each and every one of us sitting here that God has for us to accomplish to bring his name glory. So as he is going to manifest himself in 2024, what's my part? And uh, once again, hats off to uh, uh, Pastor Teresa. She always like hooks this up. That's smooth, isn't it? That looks real pretty. Thank you. So during our time together this morning, I am going to assert that it is high time that we as the body of Christ do our part. But I want it to, to be very clear. I, want, I don't want anyone to get uncomfortable and squirmy and feel like my theology is all broken and I'm like it's all works and, and that's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I do want it to be firmly clear that I do believe that our salvation and our sanctification is 100% the work of the shed blood of Jesus Christ And his Holy Spirit. Because if it were even up to us for 1% of that, we would fail miserably and be doomed to hell. So when I pose the question, what's my part? Don't get it confused. You know, don't get it twisted. You know, whatever they say. Um, I'm not saying that our salvation or our sanctification is there's anything that we can do. God's word makes it very clear that our works are as filthy rags. However, 
I feel like we have a part to complete, you know, and when you think about it, you know, when God's word says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that peace still applies. But that's not saying you work for your salvation. It is now that I recognize that I have such great, wonderful and free salvation, my response, what is my response to be? And that fear and trembling is that standing in awe of God and why you would choose me and shed such lavish blood on me. How can I obey and respond? What is my part in response to that? Okay, so is that, is that cleared up? The what, what is my part? Nobody's going to walk out like this guy's talking about works. No, you know, like no, I'm not. Not saying that in the least. Um, but I do want us to consider some scriptures that will give validation to uh, the thoughts I just shared with you. If you will, uh, take a look at John chapter 15, verse 5 with me. It says, I am the vine, and this is Jesus speaking, by the way. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So I hear a couple of things in here. I am the vine. Jesus is saying he is the vine. And if you've ever seen a vine and any branches, that vine can subsist by itself. If I go over and I prune or I chop off one of the branches, that vine with its intricate root system will continue to thrive. However, that branch off to the side will shrivel and die. So when God says, when Jesus says, abide in me, that's to stay and remain in him. So that I I hear my part in that is to remain, to abide in him. And then, hold on, if I do abide in him, what's going to be the result? I'm going to do what? There you go. I'm going to bear much fruit. So does it sound like I have something that I need to do here? It is, a, it is incumbent upon us, upon me, to bear fruit before God. And then finally, just kind of echoing what I just shared with us, without Him we can do absolutely nothing. So do not attempt it and, and approach it like I'm doing this on my own. Does it make sense? Okay, so take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 with me. It says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So for when, I, when I'm looking at this particular scripture and I'm thinking about what is my part, what I'm hearing here is that I have the Holy Spirit within me. That's why when, and I think I've shared it before, you know, and, and I hear it in, in all the songs and I, I firmly am moved by it. It's great. The Holy Spirit fall on us. But I would much rather embrace and really wholeheartedly come to the, the realization that the Holy Spirit is within me. That being said, flow forward from me, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence. And I will and I will just simply kind of Put it out there that as we talk about each phase and we go through what is my part, given the fact that we have the Holy Spirit within us, 
it is possible to do whatever my part is. Does that make sense to us? I'm hoping we piece it all together here. All right. All right. So uh, and then finally, taking a look at Philippians chapter three, verse three, it says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So just once again, echoing my opening sentiments. This is not something that we are going to depend on ourselves. This is not my works and look at me and look what I have done. I have got complete confidence in the Holy Spirit actually doing these things through me. And I'm going to rejoice in Jesus the Christ. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? All right. And then finally it says, uh, Galatians 5.16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we agree with God's word that it is necessary for us to abide in Christ, that we are the temple of the Holy and the, and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, and it is necessary for us to place our confidence not in our own abilities or the works of our hands, but that we must walk in the Spirit, then what must we do? What is our part? I honestly think that the first step is to fully surrender. And I think in a lot of cases, especially with with those of us who I've been in the church, you know, all my life. And I remember back in 1989, I surrendered to Jesus. True. That is when I was like, I really do believe what these people are telling me. And that Jesus died and rose again. And his blood was meant to cover my sins. But I will say this. It's been a long road from 1989 to now. And there have been a lot of times where I took that surrender back. Why is that funny? She's like, I know what you're talking about. Am I wrong? Let's be real here. This is, if we're going to move into the manifestations of God, we're going to do great exploits. Let's be real. So when I say that, I would venture to say, no matter where along that spectrum we are, whether we're just now coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, or if we've walked with him for years, God calls for us to be living sacrifices. Would you agree? Everybody knows that scripture? To be living sacrifices. But the problem with the living sacrifice is that it can choose to crawl off the altar. Right? So I'm going to say, I, I submit to us all that the first thing, the first step, my first part, what is required of me? What's my part? is to fully surrender. To fully surrender. Um, If you'll take a look uh, at the quote that we have here, this is from uh, C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis stated that fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. 
When you get to the place to where you truly begin to see who you are without Jesus Christ, this makes total sense. And, uh, you know, I honestly think when we, we look at all sins, I think we look at sins and, and especially in our flesh and in our human minds, we classify sins, you know, like, oh, well, I may have gossiped, but I didn't commit adultery. But I will say this, God doesn't classify sins. And I will say to you that, and I will submit to you, that no matter all of those things, when you hear if there's addiction or there is pride, envy, lust, all of these things, especially for those of us who know the truth, all of those things are fruit. And the root is rebellion against a holy God who gave you the very breath that you are breathing right now. And one of the telltale signs of rebellion in our lives is when we have set up idols in our life. And an idol would be anything that sits on the throne of our hearts. And I'm going to share a couple of scriptures with you that really kind of highlight, you know, all throughout the Old Testament. You would see a lot of um, particular signs, you know, um, reading right now in Genesis with the kids and talked about how Leah, uh, or was it Rachel? I apologize. I have forgotten. It was Rachel. Thank you, lovely. Took the dad, their father's household idols and hid them. But what people don't realize is that there was a fear that she operated in that I need to take these so that we will be okay on this journey that we are going on. Um, and, and I really do believe that one of the greatest signs of rebellion is when we've set up idols and an idol being anything that sits on the throne of our heart. Other than God. So check out um, Habakkuk 2.18 with me. It says, what profit is the image that its maker should carve it? What's the profit in idols? I tell you this, we manufacture the importance and the profit of something that's going to bring us pleasure, bring us profit, bring us something. The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols. This means that they cannot speak. They cannot speak life into your situation or into your life. But we sure do put a lot of faith in them. And Jeremiah 10.4 says, They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple so back in these days if you read jeremiah man he was wild i mean he would go in and he would literally rip down and tear down those idols and say this is not your god i like jeremiah that dude was wild man but it's pointing out here my question to us today is we may not carve wooden images and say this is my god but the job the business the car the home The bitterness, they have hurt me and I will not let go. What have we set up in our hearts? The pride, the lust, the addiction. 
And then we set them up. We, we no longer use hammers and nails to set them up, but we use excuses. Like, oh, I can't let this go. This is what brings me wealth and prosperity. This is what provides for me. And so the nails that we set these idols up with are those excuses or those reasons so that this idol will not topple over. But while our hands are clinging to those idols, we can't cling to the nail-pierced feet of Jesus the Christ. So with that being said, Proverbs 28.13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That word forsakes, I hope you can hear the word surrender in them. If I am going to let go of this thing, that's when I forsake something. When I take my hands off whatever it is. That's when I forsake. That's when I fully surrender. And James 4 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So let me ask you, what's my part? Look at this verse. You break it down. You are extremely intelligent individuals with the mind of Christ made in the image of God. What's our part? First and foremost, we need to draw near. That is a purposeful action. But here's, here's the cyclical nature of it. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God who says to you, you need to draw near to me. And I'll say it to everyone sitting here. I'll say it to you all watching via the internet or television. He's calling you right now. He's saying, draw near. Then you have to make the choice. I have to make the choice to actually draw near. And then he's going to do his part. What's his part? Can you get that verse back up? I'm sorry. James 4, 8. He promises that he will draw near if we draw near. All right. Cleanse your hands. Does it sound like we have a part to do here? Yeah. And we don't. I think we, in a lot of cases, we make it extremely difficult when it's not just as simple as I'm letting go of this. I've let go. And when he says purify your hearts, that's where the only way that your heart will be purified is if it is sprinkled. By the shed blood of Jesus the Christ. So when I let go of the idols, and I said, hey, Father, I'm surrendering. I'm forsaking all this. Here are my hands. Now I'm going to use my hands to lift my heart to Him and say, will you sprinkle my heart with your your shed blood? That's the only way it's going to be pure. Purify my heart. And then I'll give you one of the secret benefits of the purifying your heart piece, you'll see God. Because God's Word says, the pure in heart will see God. 
That's the Holy Spirit. I, I got the tingles. You know how you get the tingles in your brain when you know that? Because uh, that's not in the notes, man. That's not in the notes. That's free. You don't have to pay for that one. All right. So let us fully surrender to Jesus. Take up our cross and follow him. This will demonstrate that we truly trust him. And I, I want to humbly submit to you all, my family, the bride, the body of Christ, that we truly must stop sacrificing the plans, the future that God has for us for what our flesh wants right now. We've got to be done with that. Gone are the days when God looked on and with, you know, and hey, well, this is just in ignorance. We know there's something far better. So when those temptations come, let's just say, Father God, I'm, I'm tempted to turn to this. This is what my flesh wants. But I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, help me to deny my flesh. Because I know God has something better, something more planned for me. So in this moment, help me, please help me. And I promise you he will. Because once you ask and you cry out, help me, that's you submitting yourself to God. And in that prayer, the prayer and your deep desire is to resist the devil. And I promise you this, God's word is true. The devil will flee. And then you can truly focus on what God has planned for you, not what your flesh wants right now. All right, so once I have fully surrendered, you know, that's the, the first part here. I, will, I would like to remind us that Philippians 2.13 educates us on the fact that God is the one who is working to will and to do for his good pleasure. So keep that in mind as you move through this process. It is by God's grace that you have the unction, the deep desire to surrender to Him. And it is by God's grace that we will step into this next part where we will grow. <clears throat> Matthew 3.8, now that I've surrendered, you know, Matthew 3.8 says, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. If I have truly surrendered, if I have truly repented, God is saying, all right, now it's time for you to actually bear some fruit. And if you go back to the scripture we shared earlier, it, it, if, you, if you truly know God, more importantly, if God knows you, you will bear fruit. Scariest verse in the Bible to me is when Jesus will have to say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Scariest verse in the Bible. The sad part is, if we trust God's word, he says that broad and narrow is the way that leads to destruction. I mean, broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow the path that leads to life I think there are a lot of people well I I said a prayer 
And I'm not stepping away. I'm not stepping on. When we make that, we say that prayer and we are serious with God. But when we really come to the place to where we are, have truly surrendered to Him, we will bear fruit. And the question is, like, how do we bear fruit? If we're starting this journey, how do we bear fruit? Proverbs twenty three twenty six says, My son, give me your heart. That give me your heart part speaks of the surrender. And let your eyes observe my ways. And that let your eyes observe my ways part speaks of purposely seeking out God and learning of Him. So what do we do? How do we grow? If my next part is to grow. Check out 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Very simple. Pray without ceasing. So what does that look like? You know, I think in some cases we feel like, oh man, people would think I was crazy if I was constantly praying every single second of what I'm doing. But if you will, put the chart up. I want to just kind of hope this will help and encourage you. So praying without ceasing, what you really want to think is in every facet of life, continuously. Just to give some examples, you know, um, for each and every activity that you will do before you go into an IEP meeting, Father God, I pray, I thank you that you are active and alive in my life. Holy Spirit, flow forward from me before I step into this meeting. Before you go to the job site, before you start a different task while you are at the job site, Every facet, before you have a conversation with your spouse, before you have a conversation with a family member, every single step and interaction in life, you bring it in prayer before God. And the beauty of it is when we get to the place, and if we are serious about growing in Christ and doing our part, and remember... The growth itself is the result of whom? You can say it. Y'all quiet. The growth that will come is the direct result of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. I want us to keep that in mind. But our part would be to pray without ceasing. As we begin to pray and we look to every single situation... We are entrusting this to you, God. Give me the words to say. Give me the actions that I should undertake. When I, when I say the benefit of prayer, I want you to see how all of these steps coincide to make prayer that ultimate tool for growth. When we pray without ceasing, it changes our perspective or our outlook on life. Anyone need a deeper, some clarity on that? Okay, then our perspective is going to affect our thinking. It's what we ponder on, what we mentally dwell on. If we are not in prayer and we've had struggles with lust before, lust is what will consume our thoughts. But if we are praying without ceasing continuously, then we are changing our perspective 
on the world, we no longer see people that we are walking around, we see them as objects for our pleasure. That totally changes. Our perspective comes to the place to where we see them as people made in the image of God, broken who need Jesus or are walking closely with, who, with Jesus and I can get with them and learn and grow from a brother or sister in Christ. Does it make sense to us? So our thinking has changed. Then our thinking will change our emotions. That emotional state, our feelings. And then that will ultimately shape our behavior. And then I should have put another arrow on it. But if you start there, the behavior, then it goes back to the pray without ceasing because you begin to see the change, the growth in your life. So I'm going to continue to pray without ceasing. But I will say this. If we are not praying, it goes in reverse. Our behaviors and what our flesh yearns for will dictate how we feel. And our feelings will dictate what we think. And our thinking will dictate what our perspective on life is. Does it make sense? So if we are to grow, let us pray without ceasing. Okay, and if you and and I'm going to say this, we got to get to where we lean on one another. I'm a very private guy. I would much rather just simply say hello and keep it moving. But if you have questions, reach out to me. If you're like, hey, I hear you on this pray without ceasing, but I just don't see how I can do it, man. Reach out to me. Reach out to others in here. And say, hey, we'll, we'll exchange phone numbers. I'll text you. Have you prayed today? You got a big test? I'll pray with you. I will not pray for you. I will pray with you. Because we've all got to develop that muscle, that muscle memory of praying without ceasing. Make sense? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not up here just mumbling, you know what I'm saying? Shoot. All right. So when it comes to our prayer life, check out 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. It says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. As we spend time in prayer, we'll come to know God more. So I want you to think about your spouse or think about someone who is really important or special to you outside of your immediate family because you know them really well, you know, Kids, brothers and sisters picking at each other. Y'all know each other very well. But think about this person who's outside of your family that you know well. Everybody just thought of somebody. I saw it. You came into your mind. How did you get to know them? If you never purposely sought them out, you never purposely entered into conversation with them, would you know them? Yay or nay? No. No. So that's the, the key to this prayer thing. The more you spend time with God, the more you will come to know Him. And I'm going to tell you this, your prayers will change. You know, when I got serious with God 20 years ago, gosh, that is difficult to say. Yeah, I am getting old. Wow. Yeah, it would be, and that's like 22 years ago. My prayers were very simple when it started because I did not, I had not fully consumed God's word yet. 
But those prayers were still vitally important. It was, Father God, help Jeremy at work. But the more I grew in it, grew in him, I'm like, Father God, there is a spirit of lust over Jeremy's life. I pray that you would fully deliver him. Impress upon him the need, the desire, the yearning to repent, to cry out to you in repentance. So that he might be freed from this spirit of lust. Because I truly began to consume God's word, and we'll get into that in a moment. You guys, if you'll give me an extra seven minutes, eight minutes, I promise I'll wrap this all with a nice pretty bow for you. But as I got into God's word and I hungrily spent more time in prayer with him, my prayers changed. I really began, he began to reveal some deep things to me so that I could pray in a manner that was truly consistent with the spiritual warfare that is raging around us. Um, Yeah, that was all in, none of that was in the notes. Um, Yeah, so the question here is, do you want God by his Holy Spirit to trust you with the deep things? Um, did you get verse 10? Uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Yeah. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Those are the things that I have not seen and ears not heard. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And so I'm going to make a shameless plug right here. Um, if you want to truly, if you're serious about growing in God, and you want your prayer life to grow... I humbly implore you to start coming on Wednesday nights as Pastor Roy is currently sharing a series entitled The Prayer Life of the Apostle Paul. I tell you, my, he just blessed my socks off Wednesday night. If you missed it, go play catch up on the Internet, but be here on Wednesday nights. There's something powerful about being here as often as I can. I am. And I get it. You know, the, the work week is difficult. I get it. But be here if you're serious about growing in prayer. Because there's some throne room teachings that he's laid on Pastor Roy's heart that he's sharing with us. So we know we want to grow. So let's let, come, come, come learn more. All right. So we've surrendered and we are purposing in our hearts to cause our eyes to observe God's ways Uh, With that initial step of praying. So what else do we need to seek to grow in Christ? We need his word. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I was a kid and we were doing memory verses, I did them for Jolly Ranchers. I really like Jolly Ranchers. I don't even know if they uh, still make the really long ones. It was the really long ones. But my kids, God laid something on my heart. When my kids started memorizing scriptures, I talked with my wife about it. I was like, should we give them a dollar? For like every scripture they memorize or, you know, they did that when I was a kid. And the answer was no. I gave them this verse. 
And, I, and I'll ask them consistently, why are we memorizing this verse? And they'll say, and granted, you know, they're 11 and 9 now, they'll say, so I can hide my word in your heart that I might not sin against you, you know. But even though they say it in that manner, that's an indication of they know why we're doing it. They know, and, and even though it's, that may be that right now, there will come a point in their life where they say, they're faced with a situation, and that word is hidden in their heart. And they're like, I'm not choosing this because His word is in my heart. That's important. That's huge. Um, and then finally, 2 Timothy uh, 2.15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So our part in this is to, number one, be diligent. We must present ourselves to God. We're going to present ourselves to God one way or the other, either approved or unapproved or disapproved. I don't know. Um, a worker. So that sounds like we should be doing some things. And I am not ashamed and I am to rightly be dividing the word of truth, but I cannot rightly divide something that I do not have. That's like that uh, college kid. I'm not saying it's you guys, of course not. Who, who the night before prays, oh God, help me to get an A. No, let's be serious. Maybe a B on this test that I have not studied for. You set yourself up for failure in that. I cannot rightly divide the word of truth if I have not purposely consumed it and got it inside me. Purposeful. So, uh, if you will, put that next chart up. Can you guys see that? I told you it was 20 years ago I got serious, so my eyes ain't doing what they used to do. So there are benefits to internalizing God's word. Now keep in mind here, we want to get away from that. I'm just simply, I read my Bible today just to check off a box. Let's get serious and come to truly internalize God's word. And that is by reading and by studying. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's no shame if, if, you, if you're just like, I don't know what to do other than just start at Genesis and I'm going to just read the Revelation. Great, do it. If you are truly new to walking in Christ, I encourage you, start at the book of John in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That is going to truly show you, give you the divinity of Jesus Christ and set you on a path for um, peaking that hunger for God's word within you. But then you need to come to the place to where you begin studying. And we have no excuse. We have Google. When I started studying God's Word, I didn't have Google. I had a big, thick, strong concordance. And if I wanted to study a topic, I had to go to the Word, praise. And then get all the Scriptures. And then go in and highlight, circle, and underline. But if you want to know how to study God's word and you don't know, reach out to one of us. That's what the body is for. But let's start studying God's word. One of the things I encourage you to do. 
Go through and ask yourself, what does God say? What is man's response or what should man's response be? Highlight one in blue, the other in yellow or whatever your favorite color is. But get to know you by getting to know God's word. As we really begin to get serious about reading and not just reading, but studying God's word, two, two general things are going to come out. We're going to learn who we are in Christ and we are going to grow in the knowledge and we're going to learn who God is. As we learn who we are in Christ, um, I wrote it down because the Jira song, I was like, man, this song is so on point. So in learning your identity, you will be assured that you are chosen. That Jira song said, I am already chosen. But you don't know that if you're not in God's word. You're already loved, but you don't know that unless you are in God's word. You are already forgiven, but you will not know that unless you are in God's Word. You are already redeemed, but you won't know it unless you're already in God's Word. And that's why one of my favorite names for, for God is my Abba. The most intimate word in the Hebrew language for daddy. I mean for, for father, which is daddy or papa. And so we're already adopted. So, I'm sorry, will you put the chart back up? Um, so, in learning our identity in Christ, that's what we learn. We will really know what, because we'll, we'll throw the scripture around, oh, I'm a new creation in Christ. But what does that mean? How can you exemplify that to someone who has no idea what you're talking about? You really begin to learn what it is to be a new creation. It will strengthen your faith. And as you learn more about God, you begin to know what pleases or displeases Him. And you'll, you'll notice my little lines. My wife helped me put those. I couldn't figure out how to get the lines in between the blue charts. I wanted to show that they all go together. Because as your strength is faith, I mean your faith is strengthened, God's Word says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you would not know what pleases Him if you weren't in the Word. Do you see how connected it is? Your faith grows because you then know what pleases God. And because my faith has been strengthened, I can please Him. Does it make sense? Okay. And then ultimately, I will come to the place to where I know And I can walk in the promises of God. It's important, vitally important. If I am going to grow, that I read and I study God's word. And if you don't feel like you know how to, reach out to someone. Don't just keep spinning your wheels, living below the standard of the adopted heir that you are. Reach out. All right. And so our last last piece that I would say here that uh, my part. What is my part? My part is to represent him well. If I have fully surrendered, 
if I am growing in him through prayer and through his word, it is then incumbent upon me to represent him well. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. The more we get to know Him, the more His Holy Spirit, once again, it is the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit within us and over us that allows us to truly begin to truly walk in and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Then and only then can we truly represent Jesus well. So here's the summation. God knows the when, the why, and the how. He knows the right time, the right door, the right opportunity. So let's be sure to show up and do our part and let him handle the rest. I love you guys. Go ahead, stand to your feet. Um, prayer partners, if anyone's available, if you will, come to the front. Father God, I thank you so much for your body, for your bride. We are yours. We are yours. We desire to do our part. That your name might be brought glory and praise and honor. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, and most importantly and above all, your presence. Thank you that you choose to inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you that you have chosen to make us these lowly vessels your dwelling place. So I pray over each and every one of us here, over each family represented here, pray that you would bless us. And the greatest blessing is more of you. For each home represented, for each marriage, for each family, I pray that you would draw us and then give us the strength, the courage, and the will to draw near to you. I see it's a, a, a special theme, something you've laid on the hearts of particular brothers and sisters here in this body. So I'm joining in prayer with everyone right here, right now. And we lay the prodigals in your lap, Abba.
Your arm is mighty. You are mighty to save, whether it be by many or by few. So take the few of us here. Hear our hearts cry and bring those prodigals home. Wherever they are right now. Right now. That their heart would be touched. And just a simple reminder of, in their minds and in their hearts, let that statement, Jesus still loves me. Penetrate their minds and their hearts right now. That they would come home to you. You are so good to us. We praise you. We praise you and we thank you. Let our lives praise you. Bring us to that place to where our thoughts, our actions, our words, our deeds, the way we treat one another, all represents the fact that we praise you. We need you. And we thank you. There is none like you. In Jesus' name. Right now, I just want to open it up. If uh, Wherever you are on the journey, if you feel... When it comes to your part, you feel like it's time. I need to truly surrender. Come on up. There are dedicated prayer warriors who will pray with you. If you're like, hey, I need to grow. I'm stagnant in my walk with Jesus. Come on up. Somebody will pray with you. If you say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to study God's word. Come up. Someone will help you out. It's open. It's open. Oh, we praise you. Yeah, Lord.